everybody. It's Microphones of Madness. I'm Rodney. Over there, Steve. Bip. And today we are talking Lumen, a comic book by Tony McMillan, writer and yeah. artist. Tony McMillan of um, Nefarious Twit fame. Augmented some other Some other book that we read. <laughs> Tony Cold Fried Chicken McMillan. Yeah. Tony, who hates Ronnie James Dio McMillan. <laughs> yeah, I can hold a grudge well over so That's not really that much grudge. of a That's a huge That's not grudge. much of a grudge. Heaven, I, I I suppose for you it is. Heaven and Hell and Mob Rules are fantastic albums and are better than the last two Ozzy albums that they have put out to date with Black Sabbath. Also actually better than um any of Ozzy's solo albums. So there you go. And I say that not liking Dio's solo albums. I'm not a big fan of the band Dio. And there you go. The gauntlet has been thrown. That gauntlet was thrown a year ago. Well, it's been thrown again. <laughs> it's been picked up and thrown back down. Lumen is the story of a young fella named Esteban who lives on a dying world that is devoid of light. Yeah, the sun is has a uh, disappeared. Um, not gone out. It's hinted at that someone stole the sun and they had sent um, the last vaqueo, vaquero, right? To mm -hmm. uh, to go grab the sun back. And uh, it opens up with um, Esteban thinking that this guy has returned. Yep. But, but, instead, <laughs> but instead of the mighty vaquero of legend returning, uh, Esteban just gets himself a really groovy suit of armor. Yeah, it's... Um, Rubus Bramble is the name of the book here. Yes. Now, one of the really interesting things about this is that you don't you see a lot of post-apocalyptic worlds and things like that where where resources are scarce and it's usually water or food or something like that. In Lumen, the scarce resource is light. And they're scattered throughout the world is just this or is Lumen, which is a coagulated light yeah it's it's a uh, portable light um but it's also energy mm -hmm. um it's, it's used to power esteban's armor uh, to power his lamp it's used to grow food um you know it acts as sunlight as a grow light know? yeah um so it definitely it's multifunctional mm -hmm. um it, it's like little little portable um disposable suns but um, i'm assuming they're not going to be as hot as because clearly they're, they're not they, people just walk up and grab them and move them around right esteban is taking orders from the science witch yeah he's cut some sort of deal with her mm -hmm. to go to go uh get a bunch of the stash of lumen mm-hmm um, I don't know what he gets out of it, but uh, she's she has been trying to get this lumen uh, numerous times for years, right? Um, and, and Esteban is the latest in a long line of of um, hired hired mercenaries to go and do this. So there's got to be some danger involved in getting in getting this. Well, there clearly is, as we see, because this world is rife with monsters. <laughs> there's no other yeah, way. Yeah, um, these things are the, monsters. Yeah, they're big, dark, mushroom head things that are called fun guy. <laughs> Not fun guy, but fun guy. 
Right. But that might have just been a, a joke. <laughs> uh, even then, I mean, it's one of those things that there's there seems to be, even though this this book in tone is kind of dark, there's also kind of more of a tongue-in-cheek aspect to it. Uh, very much like an augmented fourth where you had this cosmic horror story going on, but there were a lot of tongue in cheek elements there because Tony has a pretty wicked sense of humor. Yeah, he does. And uh, so this is the first, I I don't want to spoil the thing because it's a comic book. So there's only so much going on, especially because this is one out of five. So there's going to be an arc happening and I'm sure if it sells well, um, there'll be more, uh, to, to follow, but right now it's planned for five issues, and um, I guess the question you have to ask um, with a comic book was the story good, or did the story? We don't know if it's if it's good or not yet because it's not complete. Mm-hmm. But does the story grab you? Do do you want to read more of this story? That's the first question you have to ask. The second question is: Does the art grab you? Because you can have a great story in a comic book. Mm-hmm. And if the art is meh, the comic book is meh. So, and then a sub question is do the story and the art interact well? Okay. Well, let's start with the first question Does Did the story grab you? Uh, yes. I'll actually, I, I will read this again. I'll, I'll go on. I'm intrigued. I want to know. Um, it ends on a kind of. Uh, abrupt cliffhanger in, in um, classic in classic comic book style yeah um and it worked <laughs> the, the cliffhanger worked if he if it had been a complete arc and we had a resolution at the end would i feel the same way hard to tell but the story is interesting enough to me that i want to know what happens to esteban in the next panel mm. so yes uh, the story grabbed me I, w- I would agree with you there. The, the the story, even though it is sparsely narrated. It is. And, and it I'll, I'll get into that. It kind of reminds me um, more of um, like a, show, a shonen manga mm-hmm. than a comic book, especially the action sequence. There's, um, I don't know how much manga you read, but like in things like Naruto, One Piece, blah, blah, blah. The action is very like piecemeal like that mm-hmm. and you get like frame by frame um bits of fights and stuff and it could be very confusing right um and sometimes you have to go over it again and and it's it's the action portion of the comic and there's a couple of action sequences is like that it reminds me of a shonen uh, manga mm-hmm. as opposed to spider-man swinging in making a, a wise crack um where you have a very fluid um, sequence of action, right? In, in, in like Marvel, DC, you can always you don't have to fill in many of the blanks yourself because it's all there. It's very cinematic, and in 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 uh, manga, it's it's very uh, edited. And and right. even though there's more panels of it, mm-hmm. it seems like it's it's more vague. Well, I would I would describe that technique since you described uh, described the the Marvel way as cinematic. The manga too is also cinematic, but they use more jump cuts. You know, you jump from one scene to the next, and it's not quite as fluid. It's more jittery, right? Yeah, it it, it leaves more 
um, to the imagination as to what's going on. Mm -hmm. um, so you get to fill in the blanks. And I think this is more along the lines of, of that um, for the, for the f at least the fight scenes. Mm -hmm. um, the dialogue is definitely different. Right. Um, it's, it's almost like there's two different styles going on the dialogue and, and the art, the, 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 um, yeah, the art during the dialogue reminds me a lot of, um, that vertigo 90s style, mm -hmm. um, like Sam Keefe or uh, Neil Gaiman, that kind of thing where very, very, I guess, British influenced. <laughs> um, now one of the things that struck out at me is like, because it's so sparsely narrated, you have a lot of just panels of wide shots narrow shots and it also kind of brought to mind those uh larry hama snake eyes stories in the gi joe comics i never read those uh yeah those comics were just completely done without dialogue altogether some sound effects but since snake eyes was a mute character the entire issue was silent almost like the uh hawkeye issue that's done completely in sign language all right. Well, um, after 9-11, both DC and Marvel did like little things. And mm -hmm. Marvel's was um, Nuff Said, right. where they did a month of um, dialogueless uh, comics. Mm -hmm. And, and it, yeah. And it depends on the story you're trying to tell. And I think that in a dark and bleak world, there's a lot of just open space. Um, there are ruins and towers and things like that, but there also seems to be just like, you know, your your field of vision is so narrow because it's dark. Right. And and Hard. that the the lack of dialogue just kind of reinforces that. Um which brings us into the the second question is did the art style grab you? Uh yes. Um Tony's art is very distinct. I mean you could see bits and pieces of other artists in there. Like I said, um, I could see a little bit of Sam Keefe in there. Um, what's his name? Uh, Kelly Jones. Mm -hmm. um, there's a, there's a, you could tell that, that Tony read a lot of vertigo titles. Right. Right. It also has kind of a, kind of the expressionist vibe where, you know, there's not a lot of detail, but there's just yeah, his, enough that you know what you're looking at. Yeah, so if, if anybody hasn't seen Tony's art before, um, it's it's a lot of broad strokes. It's, he doesn't do outlines and then details of the outlines and then develop it from there. He doesn't he doesn't subscribe to that style mm -hmm. of art. So it's very different than what you're used to in a comic because usually in comics that's how it is. That's the Joe Kubert school of comic book art. Right. You know, you draw circles and then you make crosses in the circles and put eyes where, where you know, the nose is where everything meets and blah, blah, blah. This is um, broad strokes with a pen and he um, kind of like creates a marker, it. It looks like, looks like a felt tip yeah. marker. It, it's, it's like a printer. Like mm -hmm. a, um, he, he does it like a printer does. So he just goes across ink here, line space here. Mm -hmm. For each figure, not for the whole page, right? So, and, that, and that's how he does his figures. And so, you could see where the markers, um, the different lines of the markers are, and he he uses uh, darker textures and lighter textures, and it gives it a a very um, like a, th a three dimensional feel to it. It, it looks um, like it moves, really. Mm -hmm. it, it does. It does. Right. All of his all of his artwork 
does really suggest movement. It's very, it's almost got the kind of uh, Max Fleischer uh, noodle arms kind of thing going on as well, or or the Adventure Time where you know it's not proper bone structure. You know, you know a leg doesn't move like that, but that's not the point. Is the fact that it looks like he's running or it looks like he's punching, but it's right. not like yeah. entirely anatomically correct. Right. That's definitely part of his style. He is, he's more, um, I, I guess you'd say more um, Kirby than Dicko. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's definitely the, the, the overall effect is more important than the details of the figures. Right. Right. How about that giant robot from the That's very giant. earth? I, I love how that was done with <laughs> right with just this big blob of color and then the line work on top of it to to suggest the details of the form rather than you know drawing a robot with every gear and wire and shit showing it's like you know you know this is a mechanical thing even though it technically doesn't look all that different from Esteban yeah it's it's um I'm looking at it right now, and it's really cool the way um, it all hangs out. It's almost um, samurai jackish, mm-hmm. where there is no outline, right? Um, and and you're just using the the internal colors to define the shape. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah it's, and and it's really striking the, the the big reveal where you have little Esteban and big fucking construct trailing um, wires and 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 tubes mm-hmm. right also you know there's some really evocative images of esteban in his armor itself uh almost giving kind of like a batman feel because the armor yeah. does have that over the shoulder cloak thing and you know it's it's not there but you get the shape of it and yeah i i, I say that's probably the thing that stood out at me the most was the artwork um just just kind of drew me in into the story the other thing that's really interesting is the background of the pages uh each one appears to have been like almost like it was drawn or or test printed on different colored cardstock mm-hmm. and each page or series of pages is a different backing color rather than just the stark white of your standard comic book page. Now, yes. I will say we we read this in a PDF format rather than a physical format. So I don't know how this translates into the finished product. But I did right. like enjoy the fact that you did have the splashes of color were way off in the background. They weren't even part of the artwork itself. They were just in it pushed all the way to the back and you would get reds and blues and things like this when the majority of the artwork is grays blacks and yellows yes Uh, one of the things that really is striking about the artwork is he will um there's this there's this one one shot um where the science witch is holding apple owl Mm -hmm. and uh, the, the background of that panel is is like this grayish blue and the science wish which is drawn in black with that the background grayish blue also being incorporated into her form mm-hmm. so um it it gives it of it gives it depth 
mm-hmm. so that she she looks like she's actually in the forefront of that panel as opposed to just being flat on the on the page right right and, and he does that he does stuff like that several times throughout mm-hmm. in, throughout the comic and it's it's really well done right right and and being that the world is dark you don't see you know you like everything is shadowed or shaded or anything like that it's everything is dark so it, it at night you know if there was no sun and very little ambient light you know you're not going to get shadows being cast and things like this so everything has that kind of eerie kind of quality except for apple owl apple owl apple owl is green and drawn in a different style than the rest of the characters and it sets it out as this kind of otherworldly thing yes apple owl is is not um well he has an outline (laughs) but apple owl is a magic uh, uh, science magic creation. Mm-hmm. So you're right. That definitely sets Apple Owl apart. The one thing I didn't like, and this was an interesting design choice, was the way the dialogue was added into the the artwork. And it's just overlaid on top in white. Yeah. I think you kind of had to do that a lot just because everything else is so dark. Right. And it's dense space. And I, I guess you really couldn't do a word balloon or or a you narration know, box I'm, in those scenes. It would almost, stick out. I'm almost positive that he used a, um, I don't know. I don't think it was hand drawn. I think he used computer, a computer program mm-hmm. to, to letter it. Um, because just because of the way the font works and a lot of those computer program computer lettering programs they suck i don't think i've ever seen a digital comic like that that had good word balloon Mm -hmm. um they're always like translucent um they're they're annoying i i much prefer hand lettering and i think um i think he did the best with what he had I'm 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 glad he didn't use the the word balloons because they they just I don't know that's a personal right. choice. For yeah, my digital eyes. digital lettering uh, with with whatever fonts are prepackaged with with some of the software. Yeah, it doesn't doesn't always look right in a word balloon, and sometimes the word balloons don't look right at all because those are kind of prefabricated as well. Yeah, they they look off. There, there's something about. And I understand that you're going to, it's the digital age and you're going to do a lot of coloring is going to be digital and, and even um, line work is going to be on the screen and done that way. Um, but the lettering just, it just, it, it makes it cold. There's, there's, there's a huge difference between going back and picking up something from even like the eighties mm-hmm. and, and looking at just how the lettering is on that as opposed to something a little bit modern like that comic craft did. And it just kind of, it's cold. It, it doesn't feel um, as inviting to read. Right. Right. And that was, I would say that was the, and, and it was probably the only option that he really had uh, that looked yeah. really decent. Um, I would say that's the only stumbling block visually in this book is the, uh, the way the dialogue was written. No, uh, not written. <laughs> But presented on the screen, right? Or yeah, at least panel. he did not use Comic Sans for his uh, for his font. 
No, but I know somebody who has who's just finished a Ben Oda font. I um I don't find Comic Sans as annoying as everyone else does, but apparently people don't like that. Well, I, I think it's I think it's kind of hipster thing, but I mean, some Comic Sans looks great. I, th- I think what it is is when people make Comic Sans big because comic lettering was not twelve point like or ten point like in your word processor document. It's tiny, and it's I think it was a real feat of you know lettering that these guys were able to go in there and write some of this dialogue by hand. With a like, I guess a drafting pen, like a shit. I forgot the name of the company. A Micron, or even, or even uh, with a quill pen or something. I don't know what they used exactly back in the day. Yep. Now we get we get programs, and you know, mm-hmm. time marches on. Computers are the wave of the present. Um, I just wish there was a better way to do uh, lettering than what normal what you normally get from from digital lettering mm-hmm. that's all it's just it's, you know it's an aesthetic complaint i think i think tony um made uh made choices with what he had and i think his choices were probably the um you know the best that he can do i'm really glad he didn't use word balloons because man those digital word balloons i'll say it again they suck mm-hmm. yeah it's like early cgi or something just like, <laughs> oh. Yeah, you can definitely tell they're pasted in from a different layer. All right, so overall is great. In in to go back to those old the old days of comic books, the spectacular first issue. Well, you get a you get a sense of wonder, oh, which yeah. to me is it's essential in comics. You need that 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 sense of wonder just because it is like a a, a completely different medium. And uh, you know, actually, um, there's a lot of people out there who are writers who say, "Oh, I'm going to write a comic book." And don't quite get comic book writing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Tony, uh, he's a big comic book fan. You could tell he reads comics, he knows comics, and um, he transitions himself into comic writing very well. Uh, he, he's not a writer doing a comic. <laughs> right. I mean, technically he is, but he doesn't come across that way, which well, is great he's... because it's different art. It's a different right. art form, right? And well, I mean, it's a different art form created by guys who uh, weren't comic writers because there were no comics when when a lot of the the great writers, you know, the ones that got all this going, started writing. They were writing other things, um, you know, newspaper articles and stuff like that. So yeah, I think it's 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 a different style. That yeah, a lot of people who I don't think a person who comes up in a quote unquote literary tradition would transition over to comics too well. But I think somebody yeah. who who is versed between that, both not only the reading of comics themselves, but coming out of kind of the, the that pulpy tradition um, works better transitioning into the the more abbreviated storytelling of comics. Right. And and I think um, he has the advantage of he did it all himself. He didn't um, just write it and give it to somebody to 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 uh, ink. Mm-hmm. He so he didn't have to have that direction on the page, and I think that's the pitfall of a lot of writers is they're so used to having to having their words carry the whole story mm-hmm. um, that they don't let the pictures do their thing. Right. And you get a lot of redundancy 
um, where you'll have a picture of, of Spider-Man swinging through, through the Manhattan skyline. Right. And then the caption will be Spider-Man swings through the Manhattan skyline. You don't need that. Right. Because it's in the picture. And right. Now, if you, but then again, there's, there's that Marvel method where, you know, Stan Lee would write, you know, page two, panel one, Spider-Man swings across the mid Manhattan sky. No dialogue or anything like that. And then Ditko or Kirby would draw Spider-Man swinging through the Manhattan skyline. And that did. That's the panel. And if he's right. like, and then Stanley would go back and go, oh my goodness, I'm late for dinner. <laughs> yeah, but that's so much better than a oh, picture yeah. of Spider-Man swinging through the Manhattan skyline. With a caption that reads. Telling you, right. Yeah. Right. Or the, the Hulk smashes the tanks to bits. <laughs> right. Right. And there's, there's that, there's, there's good and bad. Because, yeah. You know, say what you want about Stanley because he's done some pretty shitty things, but you know, he's also you know, done some pretty all right things as well. Right. You know, he claims he created everything, but you know, he, he did, um, was instrumental in creating a method of comic story writing that, right. You know, made, made Marvel a household name. Right. So when it comes down to it, Stanley is not as big of an asshole as Bob Kane. <laughs> right. <laughs> there is no there is no Bob Kane method to writing comics, right? And there's no there technically is no Stan Lee method. It's the Marvel method of writing comics. Yes. So there you go. Now, yeah, I, I would like to see the rest of it. I would actually like to see um Tony's scripts. Or at least a script for this issue to see, you know, look at inside his thought processes um, for how he how he created it. But overall, yeah, definitely uh, check this out when it becomes. Is it available now? Um, I think it's at the printers now. Okay, so um, it'll be available. I, I think you can get digital copies. I'll, okay. you know, I'll hit Tony up and find out so we can put a link when this goes up so people know. All right, excellent. Yeah, so yeah, definitely so, check yeah, this out. So I will say, I, I will say, yeah, uh, give it a shot. It's a uh, it's five dollar comic, which is thirty seven pages. Yeah, thirty seven pages. Yeah, counting the cover, pages, which is a deal for a comic book. Oh yeah, that's uh you don't get that anymore. How much are comic books these days? I buy one comic and it's around five bucks. Uh, yeah, most comics, main mainline comics, uh, I think DC's bi-monthly stuff, which are slightly shorter, are two ninety nine. I think Marvel bounces around three to four ninety nine. Uh, a lot of the indie companies, Dynamite, you know, Dynamite, Dark Horse, stuff like that, they're four and five ninety nine. So it's a good cover price, five bucks even. Um, the artwork, once again, striking. The the world building is excellent. I mean, it's it's really, really cool. Yeah, and yeah, you get two copies of it: one that you can have um, to cherish, and one that you can write Ronnie James Dio is God on it. Mm -hmm. But I, I would like I would like a picture of the uh, like a poster of the cover art for issue one because that's really cool cover art, really cool cover. So, yep, definitely check it out. That's Lumen by Tony McMillan. And until next week. Keep 30 luck points. Nuff said. Nuff said. Nuff said.